My parents uh, certainly raised us well in the faith. My, I think the first organization I ever joined was the Holy Name Society. As a little boy, I, w- I would attend the meetings with my father, the communion breakfasts and uh, the masses, and recite the uh, litany uh, of the Holy Name of Jesus. And uh, just kind of grew up praying uh, litanies, novenas. Uh, my parents would often pray novena to St. Jude, Thaddeus, or to the Sacred Heart. And uh, just really living... Uh, faith was an integral part of our life, I would say, and uh, kind of growing up in a walking distance to my to my parish and the Catholic grammar school, you know, and having uh, aunts and uncles and great aunts and uncles and grandparents who were all um, active uh, in in the faith. Uh, it was something that that I did uh, regularly, uh, helping out at the parish. Uh, when I was after confirmation, I began to read at the mass, and so just really, I, I, I guess in my own life, thinking that. As a Catholic man, I should be open to the priesthood, and that was something that was was always at the forefront of my life. Although I have to admit, I, I never wanted to become a priest. And so <laughs> until until I was really in college, I never even was an altar server. I never served at the mass, even though my my pastor kept asking me to to help out in that way. But I somehow I had this intuition that if I began to serve at the mass, I would have to become a priest. We we know that's not the case, of course, to scare anyone away. But that was my own sense. You know, you have a, a great affinity for Poland. In fact, you moved mm. there in 1994, working at, uh, yes. for Price Waterhouse. And uh, the, the name that pops up a lot in your bio is Pope St. John Paul II. Clearly mm. a, a big influence on you. And uh, well, what have you learned from uh, John Paul II? Well, I, I'm still of the age where I can remember when he was elected. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was a little boy, but uh, we we had I remember uh, Paul the uh, Sixth, Saint Paul the Sixth, and uh, John Paul the uh, First when they died. Uh, you know, the, going to masses for re- requiem masses in the church. So it was a great uh, shock when when uh, a pope for who was Polish, uh, which is part of my nationality, was elected, and, and a great joy and excitement. And I you know I think back to those days. I mean, I remember. You know, the, uh, later the uh, Iranian hostage crisis in 1979, the long lines for gas, and again, growing up with this awareness that the church, especially in Eastern Europe, was persecuted under the communist oppression, um, to have a Polish pope who spoke to liberty, uh, to freedom, to the, uh, just the, the personal uh, freedom and, and human rights, and, and would point that out and would take stands, uh, I think that was really important for me growing up. Uh, you know, I, I, I just want my own biography. I, I finished uh, in college. I was studying politics and, the, and theology. And, you know, how I got to Poland was, um, uh, was through a series of retreats. I, I studied with the Jesuits uh, in Georgetown, and uh, they introduced me to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. And I remember making a series of five-day silent retreats as a college student in the summer. And on one of them, it just came to me, you know, before you graduate, after you graduate, um, you know, you're called to go to Poland. And, and I, I thought I would just be teaching English or something like that, but I had been working with Price Waterhouse uh, as an internship and a position to open to Poland. So I actually went over in 1994 after the fall of the Berlin Wall uh, there uh, working for an American company, <laughs> helping to uh, raise the, uh, the standard there and, and to recruit uh, you know, young Poles t- to the company. And it was in 1994, if you remember, that was the 50th, 94, 95, when I was in Poland, it was the 50th anniversary, really the end of World War II. And I remember uh, John Paul II certainly calling uh, the nations then of the world 
to not only commemorate the sacrifice uh, of, of those who had fought Nazism, but then uh, with the fall of communism at that time, really calling them to uh, a deeper understanding of living out freedom and democracy and and uh, a, r- a real uh, sense of, uh, let's say, benign capitalism, you know, that where uh, people could uh, live in their freedom uh, and, and, and the dignity of work. I think for me, John Paul II, when, when you look back at, at that time when I was there as a young man in my 20s, you know, I was very cognizant that, you know, he was himself didn't want to be a priest initially, uh, wanted to be a playwright and, and was a poet. Uh, but then, you know, he said, and, and a book came out at that time, looking back at his life, he said, I looked around during World War II, and so many of the best of my generation, the leaders, the captains of the team, the people you would follow in school, he said, already, then this would have been like 1942, 43, under the, the Nazi occupation of Poland, he said, already, they were arrested, sent to the concentration camps, or killed. And he said this provoked in him a question about his own life. What was he called to do, and how would he respond? And that was what really sort of put him on the path to the priesthood. So I remember thinking about that when I was there in Poland, walking on some of the same streets that that he did in Krakow, and calling to mind uh, the heroic sacrifice of, of so many Poles against the Nazis and later against the communists, that I would say that same question, you know, what am I called to to do in my own life began to percolate. Mm. And uh, the spiritual roots of those who resisted the totalitarian evils. I know John Paul II Mm. was right in the middle of that. Uh, What what, what do you mean by that? And uh, what are those roots? Yeah, so, you know, John Paul II uh, often spoke about solidarity, which, of course, uh, as we're in Lent now, but also with the the war in Ukraine, is really, again, at the forefront uh, of our Christian faith. And solidarity, you know, is is in the letter Paul writes to the Romans. He says, uh, to be in solidarity means to bear another's burden and overcome evil with good. So when we see others on the cross, under the cross, on the way of the cross, I'd like to think of you know, Simon of Cyrene, who the Gospels tell us resisted when initially the Roman soldiers asked him to, you know, carry the cross of Jesus. And he said, I, you know, I'm an innocent man. And and the, the irony, of course, of those words, right, he did carry the cross with Jesus. And in hindsight, we know he did come to faith in the Lord. And what a a sense of immense gratitude he must have felt later to realize that out of all those who ever lived, he was the only one to help carry the cross that saved him. And so mm. each of us has our own daily cross, of course, we carry it, but we see so many people in need. And can we be the Simons of Cyrene? Can we be the Veronicas who wipe their face? So, so that, that, that's the first part, bear another's burden. And then they overcome evil with good, right? To, to call uh, yourself out of lethargy, you know, out, out of boredom, out of some inactivity, and, and to... To when, when you're in the face of evil, you know, uh, we have to respond and, and we can't be, we can't ignore it. We can't uh, try to paper it over. So in, in whatever way, each one of us in our own lives in the face of evil, striving, even just offering a prayer, but, w- but where and how we can do more to do more. So I think those were really um, part and parcel of what John Paul II saw uh, in, in living that solidarity, experiencing it un- under communism. Um, and then he he taught that then of course later and there's a there's a, a beautiful martyr who I, I often think about Blessed Jerzy Popiewiczko was a a Polish priest who 
became a chaplain to the uh, trade movement of solidarity in, in the 1980s and eventually was killed by, by thugs of the communist state and is now a blessed. And uh, he, he often would, uh, he was being spied on. There, there were police cars around the clock outside of his residence. And in the middle of the winter, he would come out with, uh, with a hot cup of tea or coffee for those policemen who were sitting in a cold, in a cold car. So again, recognizing that we all have uh, our crosses and our burdens and there's evil, but how do we overcome that? Yes. Father John Kalish is my guest, Dominican father, uh, who is coming to town. We'll talk uh, shortly about uh, his visit to Keller on Sunday, March 5th. It's the first stop of a five-stop tour of a first-class relic of blessed uh, Father Michael McGivney, the founder of the Knights of Columbus, and we're going to get to that. But, uh, Father, fascinating information about your time in Poland and the spiritual roots of uh, totalitarian evils. You might be familiar with a book by Robert. Dreher called Live Not by Lies, uh, where he, book, yeah, sure. he basically went over there and talked to people <laughs> who said, hey, you know, well, look for the warning signs and uh, how they resisted and, and stood, you know, uh, the fortitude of, of getting through that time. What would you say as far as uh, in, any, that in 2023, having, you know, kind of studied the roots of what happened over in Europe, what would you say to Americans today? Well, uh, we're in the middle of a, a global conflict again, and it shouldn't surprise us. You know, I, I don't think we can simply focus on our own country. I mean, we're, we're part of the world community. And so I think at times there can be this strain of uh, isolationism, and it's not to say we, we don't also respond to those nearest. But when we see the images on the TV of the indiscriminate bombing of, of civilians, of train stations, of maternity wards of schools, especially in Ukraine by, by the Russians. I mean, it, it, it really cries out for, um, it, it cries to God, it cries, to he, cries to the heavens. You know, I, there's an interview recently with uh, his Beatitude, uh, Archbishop Shevchuk, who's the head of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. And uh, just after President Biden visited, he said, you know, all of Ukrainians have been given a death sentence by Russia. And you know, the West, and, and especially the, with the American support, um, we're, we're staying <laughs> that, that death sentence and, and help us to, to live uh, in freedom. You know, I, I had the privilege of uh, last year visiting Poland on three separate occasions for about 10 weeks. And the primary purpose of that was to help with uh, Ukrainian war refugees, primarily women and children who were, were fleeing uh, in the initial uh, months of last February, March, and April, uh, fleeing from the East. And, you know, uh, your, re- your listeners might not know, but the Knights of Columbus, we have over uh, 8,000 brother Knights of Columbus and their families in Poland, and over 2,000 in Ukraine. And they've been in Ukraine for the last 10 years. And so we're, we're, we were well positioned when the war started to begin to actually get uh, real medical aid, food, clothing, kind of humanitarian supplies, directly to um, many of, of, of the towns that we're now familiar with, sadly, Kursan and Kharkiv and Bucha and Irpin. Like we, we, we've been giving uh, Easter baskets and Christmas baskets of food, uh, clothing, uh, now generators in, in, in the winter that Russia has been bombing the infrastructure. So 
uh, to really um, recognize that there are things that we can do, uh, whether it's to raise awareness uh, of the situation, uh, not to be uh, negligent or to sort of turn and say, oh, that's thousands of miles away, it doesn't affect me. Well, in fact, it does, as we see from gas prices to, to inflation and, and to the food. But, but more than that, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, I think another aspect of this to pray for is also for the Russian people. You know, uh, many of them are trapped in a society where they, they may not have uh, the information that they need to make the decisions, or they may feel helpless in the face of their own totalitarian society. And the question that I, uh, I would often hear speaking to Ukrainian refugees in Poland and in Ukraine they would say, you know, we're not like them. They would refer to the Russian soldiers as orcs. But, you know, the, the, the danger is when you're in a long war and there's massive suffering, um, we can all become, you know, sadly, uh, victims of, of vengeance or a desire for revenge. So I, I think as, as, as this Lent, for, for your listeners, maybe to really offer some prayers and sacrifices and penances uh, for both the Ukrainian soldiers and Ukrainians themselves, that they would maintain their Christian dignity and even eventually, hopefully when they're free, be able to forgive and uh, if, if it's asked. But also for the Russians, that they would um, find in it uh, their Christian roots as well. I, I think uh, Putin is using the Orthodox Church clearly uh, against the actual teachings of the gospel to promote the war. You know, as you talk about the the need for healing and forgiveness and uh, not having, you know, bitterness in one's heart, I, I, I notice on your bio about in studying the thought of uh, St. Pope, Pope John Paul II, you wrote your thesis on forgiveness and the theology of healing of memories. <laughs> it seems like it all kind of fits together, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. You know, you... Your listeners, you might remember uh, in the year 2000, uh, as we uh, that approached and, and prayed through that uh, great moment of 2,000 years of, of Christianity uh, on this earth, you know, the Holy Father, John Paul, asked, began a, sort of a, a tour through, let's say, the, the mystery of evil, and especially the ways in which, as he said, the sons and daughters of the church did not always uh, live uh, the vibrancy and the authenticity of the gospel. And so he began to ask for forgiveness in the name of the church for sins uh, committed by members of the church, by the body of Christ. And he, he offered that as a way, he said, you know, this, this, uh, I'm doing this as, as the Holy Father, as the Pope, but that this also can become uh, a way that even in a secular way, uh, groups can do this. And, you know, uh, we, we saw that in South Africa, for example, at the end of apartheid when uh, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu of the Anglican Church uh, led these truth and reconciliation commissions. And the basis of all this is that, you know, those who are uh, victimizers, that, you know, if if they are truly repentant and if they come forward and speak uh, the truth, uh, as horrific as it might be, of their crimes, uh, they can uh, say, say that to the families, let's say, of the victims, those who are still alive. And uh, we do know that this often does bring uh, about healing because for most totalitarian systems, it's not enough to uh, kill someone or, or wipe out their culture or their country. But then they, they, they go further and they want to denigrate their humanity by even wiping out the memory of the person who they uh, victimized. And so by the victimizers coming forward and um, telling 
the heinous crimes that they did and hopefully asking for forgiveness, uh, that can begin to bring about healing. And, and that's what John Paul II was talking about. Mm. Father John Kalish is my guest. He is a Dominican uh, priest, and he is uh, he was ordained in 2003. Uh, and uh, we are going to be welcoming him to town uh, next weekend. Uh, Sunday, March 5th, is the beginning of a tour of a first-class relic of Blessed Father Michael McGivney, Chris Stark, uh, general agent of the Stark Agency uh, in the Fort Worth Diocese, is going to be traveling with Father to San Angelo and, I think, Lubbock and uh, uh, Wichita Falls, and uh, I, I believe it's the first time that, that this has happened. You, we can talk more about that in a moment. I, w- I want to ask you, um, Father, about your choice of the Dominicans uh, for mm-hmm. your, uh, your your priesthood, and also mm-hmm. uh, the fact, according to your bio, that the call uh, to the priesthood for you came at the Sea of Galilee, <laughs> which uh, I find a, a very appropriate place. So, to, tell us about that and why the Dominicans. Indeed, sure. So, uh, as as we mentioned earlier, after college, I was working in Poland as a as a businessman, and uh, you know when you when you go abroad, especially at that time, really before. There was uh, much of the internet and cell phones. You know, you uh, there was a great freedom, sort of, to say, well, well, who am I really? And uh, I realized that uh, I'm, I'm a son of God and and I'm a practicing Catholic. And so, being uh, abroad, a 22, 23 year old, I continued to to go to mass and and would go to daily mass on occasion and join some some groups there in, in Warsaw where I was working. And eventually, this uh, this led me. Uh, I, I was dating a young woman and. Uh, as I said earlier, retreats have been a, an important part of my own discernment all the way through. So uh, recognizing that uh, I, I enjoyed living and working in Poland, was learning the language and the culture, uh, I wanted to make another retreat to discern whether I should stay in Poland uh, when my contract uh, was coming due or return to the United States. And so my college chaplain from Georgetown was organizing a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And on the very first day, if you've been there, we were up in Capernaum on, on the Sea of Galilee, and we, we had Mass in St. Peter's house, which they've excavated. And the, the, from the outside, the church looks like the Millennium Falcon <laughs> from Star Wars, I would, I would say, but it, it, has, it has a glass floor. And I remember well, you're, you're in there, so we're, we're, we're at the Mass at St. Peter's house, and you're looking down at this excavated site, and you realize you have the same view that uh, the men who carried their friend on the stretcher did when they lowered that man down through the roof of Peter's house. And so it was uh, quite stunning to be there. And uh, I don't know uh, how many have, have listening have been there, but I, I didn't know what to d- d- expect in the geography. But the, the Holy Land, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like Florida. It's like palm trees there. You're walking along the sea. It was March of 1995, very warm. So we were praying the rosary, walking, and we came to a place called uh, the Primacy of Peter, which is where uh, the Gospel of St. John, chapter 21, occurs. We often read this Gospel uh, after uh, after Easter Sunday. And it's where Jesus is cooking a meal of fish, and he sees the disciples, they're out fishing. He, he calls them back. They come, they have this breakfast with Jesus after the resurrection. And then he pulls Peter aside, and he asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sh- f- sheep, tend my flock, feed my sheep again. And so that year, um, we were standing right there on the water in the Sea of Galilee, on the rocks that tradition says the disciples sat on, hearing that passage. And I can only say to you and your listeners that I, I had a vision of my own judgment. And uh, I knew that if I didn't try the priesthood, 
I would have a lot to answer for. Mm. Uh, and so that was the first of, of eight days in, in, in the Holy Land. Uh, by the end of the trip, I announced to everyone that I was going to quit my job and, and you know become a priest. I didn't know what that meant or how to go about it, but uh, I returned to Warsaw, and uh, one of my uh, chaplains from America was a Dominican. He put me in touch with the Polish Dominicans, and I, and I made a retreat with them over Easter and uh, kind of fell in love with with the vocation uh, of the order of preachers. Yeah, very nice. And, and you are uh, you um, serve as director of preaching for the Dominican province of St. Yes. Joseph in New York, uh, elected member of the Provincial Council. You've also been appointed a Eucharistic preacher for the National Eucharistic Revival that is uh, going on here in the U.S. Uh, tell us yes. about that role and, and, and what, what you're doing in, in regard to this revival. Sure. So, uh, as you know, the U.S. bishops have asked all of us to uh, really intentionally uh, pray to our Lord and and un- seek to understand and educate ourselves about the real presence of Jesus. And so, it's a we're in year 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 one of a three year revival in the country. And so, part of uh, there's about sixty or so preachers around the country, and we we go into different dioceses. And, and this past year, uh, really. You're speaking to gatherings of, of, of priests and, you know, youth directors and, you know, whatever the diocese sort of, you know, sponsor or, or put on. And so, and then uh, next year will be the the phase in the parishes where each parish will be asked uh, to uh, make, uh, you know, in, intensive and, and special uh, devotions to the Eucharist and to raise awareness of, of the real presence of Jesus. So, uh, so that, that's been a great joy to 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 see that and and to hopefully encourage that and that will lead to the 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 National Eucharistic Congress uh, I believe it's for in 2024 in Indianapolis and you know down in Texas there there's going to be a, a pilgrimage I believe starting in Corpus Christi I'm not sure where it's going to pass but of the Blessed Sacrament from Corpus Christi all the way to Indianapolis and so uh, maybe uh, some of your listeners and their parishes will participate in that, I hope. Oh, very nice. Yeah, we have uh, here at the Guadalupe Radio Network been focusing a lot on the Eucharistic revival, and it's been the theme of our Sherathons, and so it's definitely something that's talked about a lot on the radio. Uh, Father John Kalish is my guest. Uh, he is a Dominican priest. We've heard, learned a lot about him, and we're only really touching, the, scratching the surface because he has just done so much in his years as a priest. Uh, one of the things is that he's involved with the Knights of Columbus, and and he is coming to North Texas uh, Sunday, March 5th for uh, with a first-class relic of Blessed Father Michael McGivney. He's going to be at St. Elizabeth Ann Parish, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Keller. Veneration of the relic from 2 to 4, and then Mass at 5, and then a presentation by Father Kalish, uh, I presume, about uh, Blessed Father Michael McGivney. So can you talk about that, Father? Give, maybe give a little preview of what you'll be speaking about and, and sure. why, why people should uh, take time to come out to St. Elizabeth uh, on, on Sunday the 5th. Right. Well, we're gonna have, first of all, we're going to have a first-class relic of, of Blessed Michael. And as your uh, listeners might know, a, a relic is, is a part of, of, of the human body, right, uh, of a saint. And in the Catechism uh, of the Catholic Church, uh, there, there's a section about the communion of the saints, and it reminds us that there's a spiritual exchange of goods, the Catechism says, between those who have gone before us and died and are now in heaven, uh, that, that, they, that they, they now know and love as God knows and loves. And their prayers are still effective for those who ask their prayers. So they, they can pray for us to the Lord from their place 
in eternity. And uh, the same thing goes for us, for those still on the Pilgrim Way. Our sacrifices, our prayers, our penances that we do can have an effect on those who still need uh, purification. Those may be who have died and, and are in purgatory awaiting entrance into uh, heaven. And so when we have a relic and we pray in front of a relic, uh, that saint uh, knows we're there. <laughs> and when we ask his intercession or her intercession, like they're praying for us. And so we think of Blessed Michael McGivney, you know, who's a priest from Connecticut, diocesan priest, and uh, maybe your, your listeners know that he founded the Knights of Columbus uh, as the largest today, the largest Catholic men's organization in the world, over 2 million members. And he founded it as a young adult, we would say. He was uh, 29 years old mm. when he founded the Knights. Uh, he was here in Connecticut. It was a mostly immigrant church. They were from Ireland. And like today, uh, it was all, mostly women who were going to, to Mass. And so he gathered up actually Civil War veterans who had served, and they were in their 30s. And he started the Knights of Columbus as an organization where uh, men would uh, come together, encourage each other, support each other so that they wouldn't join other, uh, like the Masonic orders or other groups that are inimical or against uh, the Catholic faith. And part and parcel of that was this solidarity that at the time many of the men were dying from uh, the, the jobs that they had for being killed or, or whatnot, dying early, and their, their wife and children were being left behind. And so from the very beginning, Blessed Michael founded the Knights of Columbus not simply as a, a men's spiritual or charitable organization, but as one that today uh, was an insurance company. And so Blessed Michael is a blessed who, who is a businessman. And he, he asked all the brother knights, you know, when, when a brother dies, contribute X amount of money so that his widow and, and children would have the, the support they need so that the family would not be broken up. And the Knights continue in that vein today, of course. So I think the, the opportunity uh, for, for there for North Texas is great. We'll be in Fort Worth, as you said, in St. Angelo and, and also in Lubbock and Wichita Falls. And so it's just a chance uh, to come and pray with a relic, see a relic of a saint, but also ask his intercession. And we know from his biography on earth, Blessed Michael had a great love uh, for young people, young adults especially. He often counseled uh, people about marriage. Um, he also uh, had, an, uh, had an effect on uh, those that were not Catholic. And he brought many of them into the Catholic Church, uh, which was unusual in the late 19th century, including there was a daughter of a Protestant pastor who became Catholic uh, <laughs> because of him. And uh, again, quite an, uh, rare. So I, I think especially when we think about how many of our, our loved ones maybe are no longer practicing or have fallen away. Um, in fact, the, the other miracles that have occurred have been about uh, children in the womb, uh, the miracle that made him a blessed uh, one of our brother knights, uh, his wife um, uh, was told to abort her baby, and they prayed to Blessed Michael, and the baby was healed of the condition, and he's about seven years old, and uh, M Mikey Schlackel is, is a great witness uh, to life. So especially for pregnancies, um, I know the people that have wanted to have children, and by praying at his tomb and with his relics, uh, they've been able to at least adopt. So especially uh, around the family, uh, and, uh, you know, he has great intercession. You uh, you did something that uh, I, I just find amazing, that you were present when they reopened the tomb of Blessed Father Michael McGivney to uh, get the, the relics. Tell us about that experience, because that must have been uh, qu quite uh, amazing to be present for that. 
Well, uh, yes, there, it was a select group, and uh, we were serving at the church then, so so we were there, and, you know, it, I, I can testify that uh, the, the relic that I'll be bringing uh, is from Blessed Michael, so that's <laughs> partly why they have witnesses uh, like me there, so that, yeah, we could say, we were there when the, when they opened up his casket, and uh, when when a, a, a person is about to be beatified or or canonized, that's when they usually open up the tomb, and then they'll they'll take you know uh, some relics uh, uh, from from their body, and that those will be given out then uh, you know sent to Rome and to to other places uh, so to increase you know the the ability for people uh, around the world uh, to to venerate him. So um, I would just say yeah, it was it was obviously. Uh, Amazing! Uh, it certainly continued to to draw my uh, attention and, and my prayers and my love uh, for Blessed Michael. Uh, and, and I remember I, I had the opportunity to pass in front of his his coffin, his casket, and um, you know I, I I just touched his leg. You know, it helped me to walk uh, as you walked. You know, uh, his bones. And so hmm. uh, I'm, I'll be. Delighted to, as, as part of this walk with him, to, to bring him uh, on a tour and a pilgrimage to Texas. Yeah. And this is, a, and I know you only have a few more minutes because uh, sure. we're recording this on Ash Wednesday and you've got Mass at the top of the hour. But um, yeah. this uh, tour of the relic, is this the first time it's left its home there? Or how, how, um, how, how many times have you been on, on tour with this relic so far? Well, so, yes, yeah, so this will be, the, to my knowledge, anyway, the, the first official uh, pilgrimage tour uh, of one of the relics of Blessed Michael uh, in our country. Uh, of course, as, as we, the Knights of Columbus are worldwide, and so other areas, in particular in Poland, they've been bringing uh, Blessed Michael's relics also around, and that's been also in, encouraging the uh, the Polish people to, to live the solidarity we were talking about, especially as they receive uh, millions of, of Ukrainian refugees, and so, uh, but, yeah, but in our country, this will be the first, uh, let's say, beginning beginning of the pilgrimage of of, of his relic. Yeah, very nice. And uh, I, I thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Father John Kalish, uh, Dominican Father, again, coming to town uh, for St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish, Sunday, March 5th, veneration of a first-class relic of Blessed Father Michael McGivney from 2 to 4 p.m., 5 p.m. Mass, and then a special presentation after Mass from Father Kalish. And so we invite everybody to uh, to come. Uh, I don't have any uh, website with information. I wish I did. I know if, uh, Chris Stark's um, website has that, but I don't know that off the top of my head. But I think you could go to the St. Elizabeth Anseden website or look up the Stark Agency, and <laughs> you can find that. But uh, Father, I know we gotta we gotta close this off. Anything else? Uh, we've we've covered a lot of ground here in this interview. But anything sure. else you'd like to impart to our our listeners um, before we uh, say goodbye to you? Yeah, I mean, just um, if it, let's say someone hears this and, and doesn't have a chance to, to, to join us on, on the relic tour, just recognize, though, that you can always pray uh, to Blessed Michael McGivney and ask his intercession. You know, I think when when saints or blesseds are beatified or canonized, so Blessed Michael was beatified in 2020, so recently, um, God allows them to be, uh, let's say, more active during that time. And, and, and I can assure your listeners that there have been many miracles, actually, even since 2020, uh, with, with the relics uh, of those praying to Blessed Michael, even not, in, even not simply in his presence, but just asking his intercession. And so um, 
I invite you to go to kfc.org, the Knights of Columbus website, and, and there are there are prayers there to Blessed Michael. There's a litany. You can learn more information about him if you look him up, Blessed Michael McGivney. And uh, just, yeah, make make your prayers to the saints a, a daily part of your life because they're they're interceding for us. They want us to be with them, and they want us to do God's will. And I think Blessed Michael uh, will have many graces in store for for all of your listeners in Texas. Yeah, very good. Uh, Thank you, Father. If you could just close out with a blessing of those who are listening today, uh, we'll appreciate it and look forward to seeing you uh, on Sunday, March 5th at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish. Veneration of the First Class Relic from 2 to 4, Mass at 5, and then a special presentation with Father John Kalish um, after the 5 o'clock Mass. Uh, Would you be able to to give a blessing to our listeners, Father? Happy to do that. May the intercession of Almighty God bless each of those listening to this program May they know his love and his mercy. And may Almighty God bless you and your loved ones, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Father. And thanks also to Chris Stark for uh, uh, connecting me with Father John Kalish uh, there with the Stark Agency. And so uh, thanks. This has been the interview of the week. Thanks to Diane Xavier. And if you have any suggestions for future interviews as we uh, head into Lent and uh, eventually the the glory of Easter, uh, go ahead and reach out to me directly. My email is davepalmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. Irish Eyes Are Smiling on Bella House, a faith-based home for pregnant women, and all KETH 910 AM listeners are invited to celebrate the gift of life, St. Patrick, and family at St. Rita Parish's Sweeney Hall on Saturday, March 18th from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Come enjoy delicious food from McGuire's Restaurant, live Irish music from the Beyond the Pale Band, plus Irish dancing. Tickets can be purchased at bellahouse.org irish. That's bellahouse.org irish. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm excited to announce the start of a new organization, Good Counselor Careers. We are dedicated to helping high school students make the transition from high school to the next phase of their life. Whether that direction is in business, academia, trades, religious life, military, or even a gap year. Through our many resources, your teen will define their interests and values to develop a keen understanding of how they can find God's plan for them. More information can be found at goodcouncilcareers.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, it is Saturday, February 25th, precisely, and uh, Dave Palmer here along with Cecil Anderson in studio, Diane Xavier as well. And uh, we have some exciting news. We do. Yeah, I'm sure everybody perhaps has heard by now, but we have a little, some of the background information. We do. About uh, the 2023 Guadalupe Radio Network car raffle winner. Woo-woo! And uh, I'm guessing if you listen to Catholic Radio enough uh, the last couple of months, you've heard <laughs> a lot about car raffle because we've been doing a lot of parish talks and live remotes and uh, spots running pretty much uh, incessantly on the air. And now it's all over. It's over. I know. They're a little bit of a kind of a like, wow, what do I do with my life now? Because <laughs> yeah, like, that's one thing well, I can say. What's my weekend plan? Yeah, We're going to go on spring break. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yesterday on Friday, February 24th at 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, was it was big, more like 707, technically. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Let's just say the 7 o'clock hour uh, during Catholic drive time. Uh, this is Adrian. Uh, connected with the Midland office and Sammy and Josefa and Lisa drew the winner. They did. And if you have not heard who the winner is, uh, the name that was drawn was a gentleman by the name of Flavio Mesa. 
and Flavio is a, a member of All Saints Parish in Fort Worth. And he came and visited our studio yesterday. And we got a chance to meet him. And uh, just, just a humble, you know, normal guy. Came in with his wife. Uh, it did his English is not his first language. Nope. And but he still, oh, he was, he was just very smiling. I remember when they walked in, we had a bunch of people here in the studio. <laughs> it was probably, they were probably Did a little we overwhelmed. We had just a lot of pe- unusually, unusual amount of people in our studio. And so as soon as they walked in, everyone just knew who they were. And they were like, <laughs> oh my gosh, congratulations, congratulations. Yeah. I'm sure it was very overwhelming for them, but they were all smiles and very happy. I think they both took the day off of work. It's like, I mean, imagine you're just going to your usual day of work and then you get a call around 7.30 in the morning saying, you want a Mercedes? It reminds me of... Uh, <laughs> Toya likes to quote somebody in saying God loves to surprise his children. And you, you may wake up one morning and uh, you just don't know what, uh, you know, what that day is going to bring you. And his day brought, definitely brought good news. And, you know, he only bought two tickets and we probably had about t- at least 10,000, maybe even more than that, stubs in the bin. I mean, what are the chances? I mean, the chances are so infinitesimally small. Well, I had a chance to do a brief interview with him. And uh, again, his first language uh, is Spanish, but I thought he did really well with the English uh, language uh, interview. And so we're going to play that clip right now, and then we'll come back and have a few more details about uh, about the, the car raffle. So here is my brief interview with Flavio Mesa, the winner of the 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 Coupe in Polar White. Very excited to announce and have on the line with us the winner of the 2023 Guadalupe Radio Network Car Raffle. The winner of a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 Coupe in polar white. And his name is Flavio Mesa. And his wife, Tomasa, I think is on the line as well. So, Flavio, first of all, congratulations on winning the Mercedes. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, you you were at All Saints Parish in Fort Worth when you bought uh, two tickets, right? Yes, sir. Oh, <laughs> what what? How did you how did you find out that you won? Were you listening this morning, or did somebody call you, or or how did you find out that you were the winner? I received a call this morning. Uh, I was on my work, and I received a call, and uh, I was very excited to receive that call. Really, the first time, uh, um, I was a little confused because. I, I never think I win the the car. <laughs> yeah. What 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 do you drive now, and what will be replaced with the Mercedes? What are you driving currently? Uh, I drive a 2004 Chevy Silverado. Is what I'd say. Too old. That is awesome. Uh, and so, when you bought the the ticket, like you said, you had no idea. You probably were just buying it. You get a chance. You get to support Catholic Radio. Uh, so uh, that that is awesome. Uh, is is your is your wife there, uh, Tomasa? Is she on the line also? Yeah, she's here, but uh, I just speak a little English. She doesn't speak nothing English. Oh, okay, Sorry. okay, no problem. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, uh, anything else um, as far as uh, you want to, to mention? I, I know there's so many people that were so excited to find out who the winner was this morning, and oftentimes people that win say, "Gosh, I never win anything." Have you ever won anything big before in your life in raffles? Uh, no, I always buy a ticket. What I say on the uh, they usually sell tickets on the on the church, and I buy all the time tickets. But I never won that man. This is mm. the first time, so I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah. And are you a fan of Mercedes Benzes? Do you like them? <laughs> I hope. <laughs> you know, I never drive Mercedes Benz, but yeah, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I have friends. They have a Mercedes, and I like those cars. 
Yeah. Well, congratulations. Uh, thank you for supporting. You got a good return on your fifty dollars, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. God bless you. And uh, again, Flavio Mesa from All Saints Parish in Fort Worth. Uh, like many people, bought tickets after Mass, heard a talk, and uh, he's the winner of the Mercedes Benz. Uh, congratulations, Flavio. Thank you for your support, and, and God bless you. I hope you enjoy the Mercedes. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, so that was done yesterday morning. He came in about 11 o'clock, and Martin interviewed him in Spanish. I did the brief interview in English, and so it's over. That's it. I know. I'm just thankful it's a North Texas winner. Yes, we're, so, we're, not, yeah. compet- we're not competitive at all. No, at all. no, no, not, no at not at all. all. <laughs> no, I don't know. Cecil may be, but not me. Wow. I, you know, so I learned from the best. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to be competitive. Yes. Yeah, I've taught you all your vices. And yes. I just want to thank all of our listeners for continuing to support Guadalupe Radio. It just means a lot. I mean, parishes that I've spoken in the past, now they're like, Buying tickets because before they're like, ah, oh, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But now it's gotten so popular, more and more people are hearing about it. Yeah, and you're so right, Diane. And that's that's a great way to close out this interview. And you can tell me how much time we have left because I know this is going to be a very brief interview uh, of the week, uh, about three minutes. And I, I just want to say thank you, like Diane said a moment ago, because here in North Texas we have uh, a really good team in place and it wouldn't it wouldn't happen that we would sell i mean six thousand tickets just with the the kth team not to mention martine and patty and all the there's tickets absolutely no way uh without first of all of course god and the blessed mother and the saints and the intercession and also the the, the pastors that allow us to come out to their parishes and this year there were 37 of them and I'm sure a lot more would have led us, but we didn't ask. We didn't have, we don't have time to go to all the parishes, 37 parishes. And so to those pastors, too many for me to name, thank you very much. And then we also have a team of about 12 volunteers who go out and spend seven weekends of their life away from their families and, and, and visit parishes, sometimes multiple parishes in a weekend and go up there and talk and sell raffle tickets. And so. Uh, again, if I start naming their names, uh, I'll, 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 I'll miss somebody, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to name a few names. Oh, dear. Uh, well, Steve Gleason and Jennifer and Joseph uh, Miller, Jennifer Disco and uh, Stephen, Stephen Kennedy, Rob Broll, uh, Diane Redman, Olivia, Olivia Franklin, Christina Dodd, uh, Dodd uh, um, uh, Reg and Susan Platt uh, did some, Rick Strickland, Jerry Jacob, uh, Jerry, Jerry Jacob, Jacob yeah. who else? We're gonna Manny add. Ortiz. Yeah, Manny, Manny so. Ortiz. Manny of course, you, Cecil, and Diane, you guys went out just about every single weekend. Uh, not volunteers, but you still had to take time <laughs> away from your, your typical weekend activities. Right. I know we missed somebody. I'm, I'm looking right now. I'm going to our email <laughs> list just because I'm like, uh, well, uh, Bill Jackson helped us one weekend. Rick uh, Self? Uh, Rick? Or, no, no. Not, no. No, Rick Strickland, we said... Um, no. Yeah, Rick, Rick helped us uh, at... Uh, Dan uh, Porter. Dan Porter. Oh, and gosh, we I'm so someone. thankful because, yeah, Dan did a lot. Yeah, he so, did. So thanks so much to and him. And thanks to all the businesses that hosted us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were fun, weren't they? They, they? were. How many live remotes did we end up doing? We did 15. 15 live remotes, 37 parishes in seven weeks. Okay, your any particular live remote memory that uh, stands out? 
Oh, they all have their own unique like moments. But I think one of the last one we did was pretty wild because <laughs> I took like 12 calls in 25 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that, that was pretty it. wild. That was at West, West, West Way Ford. Ford. Yeah. Okay. Diane's yes. telling us we got to get off the air. But uh, again, thanks, everybody. Congratulations. Flavio Mesa uh, from All Saints Parish in Fort Worth. Uh, just one of the 37 parishes that allowed us to come out. Uh, this has been the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. So uh, thanks, Cecil and Diane. Thank you for supporting uh, KTH 910 AM of the Guadalupe Radio Network because we will continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ on the airwaves because of you. So God bless you and have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at the same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Our mission at home and at work is to live our Catholic faith. That's one reason why at MidCities Dental, we support Catholic Radio. I'm Dr. Kyle Eberline, a proud longtime supporter of Guadalupe Radio Network and a dentist in the MidCities area with locations in Hearst and Bedford. If you're in need of dental care and would like help in finding a solution for your budget, you can find us online at midcitiesdental.com. Father Larry Richards, a popular conference speaker, pastor from Erie, Pennsylvania, and founder of the Reason for Our Hope Foundation, will conduct a four-day parish mission at St. Mary Catholic Parish in Sherman. The purpose of the mission is to help people grow in their love for God and give them hope and direction in their daily lives. The event takes place from March 13th through March 16th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Call 903-893-5148. That's 903-893-5148. Hello, it's Todd Sluter, licensed professional counselor with Epiphany Counseling and longtime sponsor of GRN. I have been blessed to work with many individuals, couples, teens, and families in our diocese for the past eight years, incorporating counseling principles with authentic Catholic values. God wants you to have a greater sense of joy and purpose. If you or someone you know are struggling to find purpose, stuck moving forward with goals in life, or a relationship is not working, you may need to seek a counselor to help regain hope and healing. You may get in touch with me at 469-556-8336. Hi, this is Dave Palmer here at KTH 910 AM with the big announcement of the winner of the 2023 Guadalupe Radio Network car raffle. On Friday morning, live on Catholic Drive Time, the winner's name was drawn. It's Flavio Mesa from All Saints Parish in Fort Worth. He is the winner of the 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250. Congratulations, Flavio, and we hope you enjoy your car. And a very, very sincere thank you to each of you who purchased car raffle tickets this year. You've done a lot to help us continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ on the airwaves here on KTH 910 AM.
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 